0: Perfect. (laughs) Siobhan, we did it. We We did it.
1: We're all together.
0: (laughs) All together. Fabulous. And hey, everybody, welcome uh, to a special season of Abolitionist Lent Bible Study. This Lenten season, we're continuing to invite people across traditions and mediums to explore the themes of revelation, disruption, examination, and embodiment in ways that support a larger faith movement, reimagining restorative, solutions to community safety, health, and wellness. Abolition, we want to define it, means not just the closing of prisons and ending of policing, but also putting in place the vital systems of support that many communities are systematically disenfranchised from. And we want to acknowledge that Abolitionist Lint is a collaboration between three organizations and some fabulous folks, including Fellowship of Reconciliation, More Light Presbyterians, and the Presbyterian Peace Fellowship. And additional thought partners of Reverend Lindsey Anderson, Miles Markham, Minister Candace Simpson, and Reverend Ananda Barclay. So you're invited to join us throughout the Linton season as we define, explore, reflect, and take action to further the inbreaking of abolition into this world. May it be so. May it be Today, so. I'm so honored to be joined by Reverend Siobhan Starling Lewis to read with me John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33, through the theme of life. Siobhan, welcome. Your presence gives me life. And I am, uh, would, would so love to hear you share a, b- a bit more about who you are with your name, your pronouns, your work, and your identities, because we know those come with us whenever we open that Bible.
1: Amen. Um, Well, I am so honored, Alex, and so grateful for the work of More Light and so grateful for the work of the entire team that's pulling together this abolitionist Lent. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you for the invitation. Um, um, My pronouns are she, her. Um, I pastor in Huntersville, North Carolina, which is just north of Charlotte. Um, I bring with me the identities of being a mom, um, being a wife, being um, someone who was raised by her grandma, uh, whose name is Dolores, so I'm Dolores' granddaughter. Um, I am um, Isaiah and Brandon's sister. I am blessed to have lots of siblings that are um, truly, deeply important to my being in the world. Um And I am a self-proclaimed lover of God in the person of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and a lover of the people that are connected to the work of the church and and what it means to be siblings in this world together across faith traditions. Um, And so, yeah, I feel very, very blessed to get this invitation um, to break open scripture with you um, and, and, and hear what it is God's offering for us today.
0: Mm. I really love that you situated yourself in terms of the families that raised and, and nurtured and siblinged you into being, and I really experienced that from you as as a sibling in Christ and, and as a lover of the church, and yet an accountability holder to the church about where Christ is calling us and as we continue to follow that journey where it leads to places we maybe didn't see when we were younger or even last week. <laughs> Amen. I
1: think, I mean, the, I'm a big, when I remember taking a pastoral care and they had the Jahari window and it stuck with me that there are things that I can see that Alex can't see. And there are things that neither Alex and I can see. And there are things that Alex can see that I can't see. And there's things that, you know, that we can both see. And we are privy to three out of those four windows if we're willing to communicate with each other. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm grateful to learn alongside you and, and so many important siblings that would, I
0: wouldn't be who I am without. So. Amen. Thank you. And I will share, uh, of myself that I'm Alex McNeil. My pronouns are he and him, and we are, this is a North Carolina episode and I'm loving it. Uh, right, right. Um, <laughs> so live just uh, a little bit further West in Ashland, North Carolina. Up in the up in those mountains, and um, yeah, I, I want to name family connections to You invited us to that, um, and I think the text also invites us to a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Who are who's around us, mm-hmm. and so I'm very grateful to now be living close to my parents again for the first time. You know, it's been it's been about five years that we've been back in North Carolina, but it felt like a good long 15 years outside of North Carolina that we were away. Um, And so being close to them and my sister and her uh, husband who just had a baby that I'm trying to, you know, enter the title of best uncle ever. Okay,
1: congratulations, um, uncle.
0: Thank y'all and and siblings live in LA. Um, Mm -hmm. And so grateful for those who have been part of my family. And, you know, I think in doing the work of queer and abolitionist theology have been siblinged by so many who have challenged, disrupted, and read the text in liberative ways that are are countercultural to the ways they've been uh, used against some faith communities. So, I I want to hold that legacy close as well. So today we get to dive in to abolitionist Lent with the text from John chapter 12, 20 to 33. And as you know, in our practice, we read the text three times and we ask different questions as we read. And the first question is really about noticing. What do we notice? What stands out to us? Especially as we hold this this word in front of us, this word of life, Mm -hmm. um, what stands out? Siobhan, I'd be uh, so glad if you'd be willing to read it for us for the first time absolutely
1: let us come before this beautiful word of god as it may grow us and challenge us in this day john chapter 12 verses 20 through 33 this is from the new revised standard version now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some greeks they came to philip who was from Bethsaida in galilee and said to him Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Whoever serves me, the father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. jesus answered this voice has come for your sake not for mine now is the judgment of this world now the ruler of the world will be driven out and i when i am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself he said this to indicate the kind of death that he would die this is the
0: word of god for the people of god Be to god thank you Wow, it's, it's we were saying before we went live, this is quite a text. It and is. It's, it's got a lot going on. And I'm curious what stood out to you as you read through it this time.
1: I think what stood out was the misunderstanding of it all. Um, that it started with a desire to find Jesus And I'm certain those Greeks did not find what they thought they were gonna find when they heard all this come forth. And then there's this clear misunderstanding as to what has happened, what is going on um, and why is it happening? um, And the confusion with thunder and the confusion with it being an angel's voice. um, And then the clarifier that is Jesus saying, nope, this is not only what it is, but this is why it is. It's for your sake, not for me. Um, mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many multiple layers going on within the, even the words Jesus are, is speaking around the grains of wheat. What is judgment? Who is it for? Um mm.
1: Yeah, there's like I was four really, different services and like four different sermons. Yeah. this. <laughs> that's, right.
0: that's really that's really right. I was I was just the image of, if it dies, it bears much fruit, yeah. in t- verse twenty four. Yeah, I'm I've been really sitting with the word we heard from Lenny Duncan at next church this weekend mm-hmm. in the keynote around did Jesus have to die? I think was one of the questions Lenny was raising and absolutely. uh, And what does it mean that we believe other black and Brown bodies have had to quote, die for our movements to exist. And in this text, I want to, I agree with that, that Jesus didn't have to die. I agree with Lenny that Mm -hmm. I don't think I don't want to believe Jesus had to die, but I think there's an interesting interpretation in 24 Mm -hmm. about the 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 cycle of birth and life and death yeah. that it's not premised on a sacrificial theology mm-hmm. but a metaphor of of understanding and hope around when something does die what comes after
1: yeah I think there's yeah there's definitely a push against um, this lie of of um, just not having enough. That sometimes in the death there's so much more that is bare fruit um we just were talking very briefly just how you know our national gathering that we that you just mentioned it had to die in the form that we've always seen it in order for something more fruitful i believe to have been able to be bared and it was able to you know get to people that normally wouldn't have a chance to but it had to die like we had to let go that you know the wheat may still be wheat, but it's not going to look the same. It's not going to look the same. And I think, uh, you know, as one of the examples of what we can do in this living out of our faith um, in, our, in our worship spaces, even, is just realizing that some stuff dies, the essence remains for something more powerful to, to come forth.
0: Um, but boy, it's still scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love what I, even what you said around just in that text, they talk about wheat then bearing fruit yeah. that, that we don't really think of wheat as a fruit bearing thing. Maybe it would, I don't, you know, pollinate the grasses and, and more grasses would evolve. And you expect many wheat stocks, miniature wheat stocks to, to come from that. And instead what this is saying, is this is a whole different, this is a transformed germ, <laughs> the germination of this is transformed. Oof, it's,
1: yeah, it's it's so evocative of, of, of being released from a very limited understanding of what can happen, particularly at the spaces that look like death and look like the end and look like utter destruction. Um, not again that it has to happen that way but even in those spaces god is still god right like it's there's still the potential of something being created out of the nothingness um for us to experience this ex nihilo reality that there can be more than what was out of what we think is nothing we think it's just we think it's just
0: death um we think it's just ending um yeah and yeah. what a word to the empire. Ooh. Um, it reminds me of the, of the quote of you tried to bury us, but you didn't, they didn't, they tried to bury us, but they didn't know we were seeds. And I, I, I hear that in this of, for those who think death is the final word, that there is yet life that will be transformed and transcended far beyond our limited imagination for what those possibilities are of a wheat a wheat grain Um, that even a wheat grain can bear fruit in a, in a way that is beautiful and nourishing um, and beyond the expectations of what we had for it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so evocative. And so it it really is an invitation to, to be expanded in what we understand. um, Because there is so much that would have us be afraid to be to live into what liberation actually looks like it there's just so much empire around that says no to do that is to risk your very being to do that is to um to allow yourself with what is supposed to be weakness um in a very hierarchical understanding of the world uh is exactly what christ does and is exactly what we're told to fear yeah and it's enough, enough fear to make people like destroy stuff like our nation's capital. Like there's enough of that fear in, in abundance that it's just rather than I'm going to have to change, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to die and, and be raised as something different. There's just a lot of fear that we all
0: experience. Right right and I, I um i think there's an interesting con- like contradiction juxtaposition there of like what we let die versus what we kill mm-hmm. and the act of slaughtering something of sacrificing something of saying no this is the time for it to die versus a grain falling to the earth like what an image of again we can't predict when a grain's going to fall to the earth you know, I don't know. It's a the wind blows, mm-hmm. something changes. Mm-hmm. The rain comes and grains fall. Um, it gets the dry
1: enough that it can let go out of the husk, like just mm. that last bit of moisture goes away and it falls down. Right? Yeah. Whew. Yeah.
0: And it, to me, it's like who does the action there of letting something die, or of of receiving death, even to say. I know that there's more that, that can come from this. I trust that of my God and of, of my faith, but I'm not here to kill something actively because I think it's time for it to die, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we wrestle as abolitionists, as liberationists around what are the structures that are showing signs of decay and death? Mm-hmm. Is it time to let them die? What active role might we have in, in hastening their their conclusion I don't have an answer to that but it, it this text is asking that question of me
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well and I think it's it's the what are you loving because the question is those who love I mean I look at 25 and it's those who love their life will lose it so if we're only loving it for the sake of our own selfness right like if that's the that's the thing that's making you say oh it's time for this thing to enter into the ground that's a totally different energy like i'm gonna kill this so that i can live versus this thing needs to die because it's a death-dealing thing like this thing needs to die because it's a a broken thing that is actually impaling us it's this thing Mm -hmm. needs to die and and usually it is those things, right? It's systems, it's powers and principalities, which is not the same thing as a person, uh, right. uh, or you know the imago de that lives within a person. That those things do not usually go together, um, but it is very clear that there. I mean, pruning is a very real aspect of the agricultural images that Jesus uses and are present throughout the full of the Bible. Like pruning is a gift, Um, letting something look like death in order for it to grow more properly.
0: Mm. Yes, I love that image. Yeah, pruning. I love that image too, because it was actually on a staff call, our weekly staff call earlier this week, we were talking Mm -hmm. about, death, <laughs> and um, we're, we're reading um, Glennon Doyle's uh, Untamed together mm-hmm. as a staff. I don't know if you ever read it, but there's a story in there where she's called to go to her grandmother's bedside as her grandmother's dying. Mm-hmm. And she makes a whole, she she kind of extends a conversation about that to this ache that she's felt when she's been close to death or close to to situations where she would even imagine someone's death of saying like, you're gonna lose this. Like, if you if you love it too much, you're going to lose it. And so for much of her life, she kind of numbed herself to that feeling. And then the the story was, the ache is actually God in some ways. The ache is the reminder that life is precious. And we, we were talking about our own upbringings around. We m- Most of us didn't go when our grandparents were dying. <laughs> and um, for various reasons, some of which were logistical, others are whatever. But spun to a conversation of, how afraid we are of death, of of the big emotions around attending to dying. And yet, you know, the the beauty and value of hospice and a place where, like, what a gift it is to receive hospice care, even if, you know, your life is ending more prematurely than you would want, um, to be able to be in that sacred space together and really unafraid walk together towards death, or even if, you know. And I see this here of like letting something die, is attending to hospice of not not being so afraid of of its death and what happens that we can't show up for the end of it. I I mean you get like
1: so what I guess two weeks ago it was it was um, Peter saying no you not no what you're not going to do is die on me. What you, what, what, wait a minute now. I, I just told you you were the Messiah. What you mean you gonna die? Like that's not an option. We're not doing that. And and oh if if I if if I can't control it, it feels like too much. And for Jesus to clearly name that that element of control. Is broken and demonic, that element of wanting to, if I can just hold it, then it will be okay. I mean, that is, that is power literally in principalities. Like we can't, there are things that we cannot, we can't stop what love is capable of. No, people have been trying to kill love, literally, literally from jump. And yet the resiliency of it, even if it has to go dormant, <laughs> uh, it is, it's, it's remarkable. And I, I'm a, I have recently been, like I wasn't always in my childhood, but I'm, I'm a person who would say that I'm a Marvel fan. And so I was watching WandaVision. I don't know if you've watched WandaVision, um, but, um, so it's like this like mini series that's in the, but actually ties into the larger MCU Marvel cinematic universe. I'm learning all these things, but anyway, um. And there is this scene and vision says to Wanda, what if grief, if not, what is grief, if not love persevering? So Wanda had been through the death of her family, the death of her brother now, her twin brother. And the question is what, you know, what is, what is grief as much as we feel like we're going to die. Like genuinely, the, the actions, the sensations, the overwhelming feelings that happen when we're in the midst of grief, it feels like the end. And yet, in some ways, it testifies to the truth of the life. It testifies to the truth of the love. Um, uh, Brene Brown talks about like foreboding joy. Like we are so likely to want to stifle our, we will we will deny our own self joy because we're so afraid that if we do enjoy it, it might get taken away from us. And it it's actually scarier to have joy than it is to grumble. Um, and I think it's true. Like we see it. And I think that that's what that crowd must've been feeling like. And and even though like those Greeks are like, oh yeah, we found, you're going to do what, Jesus? you going to. Well, this is not the, I I thought this was a healing man. I thought this was a man that, hmm, like, like, I can just imagine, like, the deflation that happens, uh, and, and, and then the confusion that happens out of that deflation, like, there's a, there's a mourning, like, this is not what we wanted to hear,
0: right, yeah. um, oof, oof, man, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, there's a particular kind of grief for something you thought was true.
1: And to realize that's what we're inviting half of our country into, if not significantly more. Right. It's an invitation into grieving the world that you thought was real. If you're living into a more liberated understanding of what is possible and what God is co-creating with with us in this, in these days, like, oh, you're inviting me into a death of my worldview. Yeah.
0: A hundred percent.
1: And, and does not minimize the brokenness of what the actions are, but boy, can I have, can I have compassion on that? Um, as a sibling, even if they would Mm -hmm. never call Mm -hmm. me their sibling, like I can have compassion because they're looking at death
0: Of their worldview. Yeah, yeah. It it reminds me of um, which I think it's the uh, sixth book in of Harry Potter, where there's the veil. They're in the um, the Ministry. Maybe that's the fifth book. Anyway, there's the veil that's like the separates the world,
1: Mm. the life,
0: life and death. And if you Mm -hmm, fall through mm -hmm. the veil, this is yeah. This must be the fifth book. Anyway, then you die, and we don't know what happens on the other side of that curtain, but I think that when you're walking to a death of a worldview, it feels like all you can see is that veil. You hear the whispers on the other side, but to, thank you, it's fifth book, Jess says, <laughs> to go through <laughs> it is, it feels like it could be traumatic. It feels like it is the loss of everything you know on this side of that veil. Um, yeah. It's
1: a complete untethering, right? Like when you start to realize that truth, as you've been taught it, by the people that you love the most, isn't. Yeah. Um. And I think that happens to all of us, right? Like I think about um, conversations around like binary understandings of gender. I had to touch what what felt like nebulous in order for me to grasp. Just how wide the world is, right? Like, and we don't, we don't realize. I think in the moment that there is both, there's a bravery in being willing to touch. That I can also understand why some people would not want to. Not that I think it's the right choice at all, right? But the fear that what, what part of the matrix would might disappear? What part of everything might dissolve in my hands? Um, and what might what control might i completely lose if i realize that the world is not what those people that i love the most have told me that it
0: is yeah yeah mm. um wow. i think we i i, I want I, I think we i'm ready i think yeah. we're ready to hear the text again and i'm happy to read it this time from and i'll choose the um have the common English version up. Okay. And we'll listen for how the text calls us to resistance because I think we're already percolating around that edge mm-hmm. and that curtain, so to speak. And um, and we think about resistance in two ways. One is the, the systems and empires we are called to resist. And the second is if there's something, a word that rises up in us that is resisting um, what we're hearing that something ain't sitting right. <laughs> it's the best way to put it that, that is a, a, that's, that's a veil we can touch too because there's something really powerful there as well. So let us listen for John uh, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Some Greeks were among those who had come up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip who was is, who is from Besheda in Galilee and made a request, sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip told Jesus. Jesus replied, the time has come for the human one to be glorified. I assure you that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it can only be a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their lives will lose them, and those who hate their lives in this world will keep them forever. Whoever serves me must follow me. Wherever I am, there my servant will also be. God will honor whoever serves me. Now I am deeply troubled. What should I say? Father, save me from this time? No, for this is the reason I have come to this time. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard and said, it's thunder. Others said, an angel spoke to him. Jesus replied, this voice wasn't for my benefit, but for yours. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now this world's ruler will be thrown out. When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to me. Jesus said this to show how he was going to die. This is the word of God the people of God. How does this text call us to resistance?
1: Can we start with the second interpretation of that question of like, what ain't sitting right? Can we start there? A hundred. I look at verse 24 and it says, those who hate their life in this world we'll keep it. And I hate for real, for real, when folks try to use current suffering as a reason to say, but you know, it's going to make it better in the afterlife. Like the way that those types of moves are made by those in positions of power and privilege drives me. Well, actually what it actually does is break my heart. Um, and it makes me a little crazy, it does, it hurts, it hurts, that one would say, and that we internalize it too, like those of us who are marginalized, at times internalize, oh, well, at least, you know, this somehow will, will bring me a spiritual strength or this somehow will bring me a more faithful afterlife, or I'll be closer to Jesus, or all those things that folks have internalized, which I don't know. I don't deny that in suffering, we do know more about Christ's journey. I don't deny that. Like, I think there is a truth that Christ suffered, and we who suffer, understand the journey of price in a particular way. So there's a truth there, but when it is laid out by people in power and privilege as a reason, or when we feel like we have to use that as the excuse for while we're feeling the suffering that we're feeling, when it's actually that broken behind system can be fixed. We do not need to still be treating people that way, period. We can take that off the list. We can do do different things y'all. Um, that's a place of resistance for me because I've just I've sensed how that's been lived into a way and used to to beat folks down. That's right. That's right.
0: Yeah. As if the excuse for not doing more on this earth, yeah, is that it'll be made right in the, in the after, by and by. Mm-hmm. In the by and by.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I really, really appreciate you kind of underlining that. Because to me, I think it bears wondering, what does Jesus mean by those who hate their life? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What does hating your life mm. mean? Is it, I hate this suffering, or I hate this circumstance, or I, I am angry at the disenfranchisement I've experienced, or the oppression I've experienced? Yeah. To me, that's that's knowing that it should be better yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it doesn't have to be this way
1: oh my gosh yes and I think that's that's what makes it a true but I oh my gosh how it's been used yes and how we how how it's been it it, when it's when it's applied with a layer of cheap grace Mm -hmm. it has that that Ohness to it, where you don't, you don't understand. Like, and it's like, oh, no, it's not about people needing, this. it goes back to Lenny, the, the comment you you brought in about Lenny, Lenny um, Duncan, about do we, did we need Christ? Like, we shouldn't need the suffering in order to be able to be loving, in order to do the things that were in the first decalogue that is the 10 commandments and in the second love like the double club commandment that Jesus like we we don't have to hurt each other in order to find value for loving each other yeah but those of us who know what it's like to have the society not love you just because of who you are there is a true hating of the living of this life that is so unjust
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that I, I'm right there with you, Alex. Like I, yeah.
0: yeah. And to me, so much of what is done to preserve life for some mm. at the expense of life and livelihood and flourishing of others is to avoid this feeling of, of death, this feeling of pain, this feeling of loss that those of us who've been disenfranchised know it isn't the end. It's it, horrible, but it is not the end.
1: Cause your life doesn't start or end on those things. Like no matter what we are precious children of God. And you can't take that away. Like you can't, empire you can't buy that you can't steal it that's the kind of like my grandma used to say that's the kind of piece the joy can't steal and the the world can't take away like it just it cannot be taken even when people are throwing the most disgusting vitriol thing it can hurt like it can hurt 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 and yet that's not where your life ends or begins in that person's perspective or in their evil actions. And even, and this is not to minimize the actual physical death that has come from broken, horrific systems. Right. And yet you won't stop us from saying her name. Right. You won't stop us from loving him making movies and plays about his story you won't stop us from 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 proclaiming that they are god's precious child and rest clearly in the bosom of our of god right now because they were named and claimed as god's own from their first breath or even before then like that you can't you can't take it as much as powers and principalities have tried to
0: that's right That's right. Mm. And to, and to me, why I'm so grateful to be grappling with something like abolition Mm -hmm. and liberation is because it turns the frames of hate and love on their heads. And what, what we're taught to hate or what we're taught to love from a know from a white capitalist mindset of love that which builds yourself up if even even at the obscured sacrifice of others like let's not look at that even um and to to hate that which causes you discomfort um or pushes you to a new understanding or asks you to change i think like jesus we we confront this world of ending reframing of the very core identities of what we hate and love. Um, And to me, that is the act of resistance to remember that, to question that. You're you're asking me to love this? I don't think that's what we're supposed to love. That's not what God calls us to love. Mm -hmm. This building versus these people in our neighborhood come on yep mhm
1: it it it's it it's it it really <sighs> i'm going to use a word that people often use in horrible ways but i think it's perfectly appropriate for it tells you what real perversion is mm. when you can call what is love hateful and you can love what is hate, like it just tells you just how broken and, and, and warped uh, white supremacy culture, hierarchies, patriarchy, heteronormativity, all of these systems that, you know, I, I, I'm grateful to have, um, Set underneath the feet of uh, the wonderful JVT. Shout out JVT, um, and uh, and and one of the people that she introduced me to is Gloria Alzola Alzola Alzola, and Alzola zaldua Thank you. Sorry, um, but in b- the borderlands and that wow. whole conversation of like the hoarding of resources within this place and what people have to do in order to enter into the land where the resources are and what it means to also find strength and to live in that borderland space. And when all of a sudden you realize there's authenticity in the borderland that could never be present truly in the middle of the center. There's a, uh, there's a freedom to, to, to nurture and to be collaborative and to share your resources that has no purpose yeah. and is shunned. In the center, where all the power and the resources are, um, it it really it, it's which is what wealth really is. Like I'm, like I said at the beginning, I'm so grateful for the siblings I have because I know that I'm a better me because I have Alex in my world. Like I, my personhood breathes deeply and better because I know you. And you know me, and you know if you need Siobhan, Siobhan's gonna answer the phone, right? Like, um and and I feel the same way. And that that's not what the world would want you to say. It would make you say that your wealth is how much is in your bank account, right? How big's your house? What's your title? Um and Jesus is even offering, like, no, like that's not what your life is, like that's if that's the, that's the stuff that you love, oh, you're gonna lose it.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 As quickly as it comes, it's gonna it's, go.
1: Woo! Because they will refill like, that. The thing I'm almost never <laughs> reminded. This is why I don't. So I mentioned them. I, I try to balance my life when it comes to my family and the work. I love the church. But the reason why I always have to love my family more than I love the church. Is cause at the end of the day, and I I'll be I'll be very G-rated, it will not be the church wiping my backside. It won't be. No matter how many pre- sermons I preach, it's not likely. It's gonna be my kids who are gonna be the one. And I've seen so many parents trying to make withdrawals out of relationships they haven't deposited deeply enough in. I don't want that, and I, the the invitation I think from Christ is like you don't want that either. You don't you don't want to realize that that all was for nothing. Like you built your name, but you didn't have you you didn't invest in the love that you actually should have been investing in. Um, and that's such important resistance work I think these days where we still struggle with competitiveness over collaborativeness as a as a way of being
0: yeah mm. and i'm i'm taken with and this may lead us to even our third reading around mm-hmm. the the thunderclap versus the angels like <laughs> what what is this voice and how what you're what you're offering you know depending on the ears we have to hear could it feel like a con- thunderclap? does it feel like the angels does it but like where's where's the midpoint of like what it actually is is this is the word for you it doesn't matter if it's loud and booming soft and singing i don't know how the angels talk but uh i hope it's i, <laughs> I hope can it's imagine
1: honest. that i mean i feel like we got that
0: <laughs> um but what do, what what is that if the word is for you Oof. and What I've had to learn over and over in this work of liberation and abolition and anti-racism is like how to listen when the word is for you. Mm -hmm. Um, About this is actually to put down something that you had held fast to. If that word is coming to you, to listen and receive and eventually let it drop.
1: Whew. It's so true and it's so hard. I mean that and I probably should have listed that and things that are part of I've been really enjoying strangely enough um, the work of um, walking alongside congregations and church groups as they're engaging anti-oppression work um, and facilitating conversation and ways forward in their systems Um, and it is precisely this invitation that it may sound different to you collectively are we willing to listen so that we can discern what it really is saying and then know that it is for you is mm-hmm. usually we get stuck on oh, thunder oh that means it's going to rain and that means oh okay so we need to get inside like we and we're already off because we 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 heard thunder so i don't know what the problem is it was thunder Okay, let's go. Let's go get our umbrellas and let's get. And then somebody else is like, "Oh, that was an angel singing." Let me go pull up a chair and just like listen to the angels speak. And then the voice of Jesus is somewhere telling us something different that we need to be together to oftentimes to hear, uh, and 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 to know. Then now it's yours. Like it's yours. It's ours to hear. But let me make it clear. It I. Jesus puts it in the middle of the table so that we can actually be different, not just, because he's like, hey, one for me. It was yep. so that y'all could know what the heck is going on right now.
0: Um, yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I love that. I think that's such a yes to all your naming around. <laughs> it's, it's even less about just your own individual interpretation of what you're hearing, because there's so much what I've had to do some work on of like what is the story I'm telling myself about what I'm hearing that makes that goes into a shame spiral that go that keeps me paralyzed that keeps me from actually hearing because I'm just being drowned by the noise of my own confirmation of whatever it is I already believe about myself
1: oh my gosh you're so hitting on the truth and like um one of the things that i find most empowering is that oftentimes particularly when a hard truth walks into the room and i can like it's almost as if i can like feel that happening to everybody like the immediate response at this point is to say let's stop and let's breathe let's breathe in the holy and let's release anything that's not going to be what god would have us to hear let's do it again until we can get our blood pressure back in the space of being able to be in the moment so we can get our, our spirit back within our bodies. Um, and, and we're not in that spiral because it, it is such a natural response to what feels like a threat to our, like our bodies do not know the difference, our, our central nervous systems don't know the difference between a threat that is a threat to our thought process and a thought to our body. So it all, all of it responds the same. And then all of a sudden our heart is going faster. We are thinking, what are all of the contingency plans? How do we fix this? If we are a part of, uh, well, all of us are part of this white supremacy space where we're like, okay, so here's a problem. We're used to trying to figure out, so how do I get to the answer? And rather than saying, no, we just have to sit for just this this sit, let it actually get into our spirits and not just in our brain. because otherwise we fall into that space of self-judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And it, whew, we don't, we, we, yeah, we, and then we, we either work ourselves up so much that we don't do anything because we've, and like we have that strange kind of, I've, I've discovered for myself, there are times in which I don't realize how narcissistic it is to be, to beat myself up. Like, there was a time where I just, like, oh my, I just felt so bad about things in the world. I'd be like, oh, then I realized, wait a minute, that's just as narcissistic as somebody who, like, I'm, I, God knows what works in progress. Let's, let's, let's tell them, those doggone gremlins, that they can have a seat, yeah. that my personhood is not wrapped up in my imperfection. Let's go back to, you know, we do our, our times of confession an invitation of God's forgiveness, so we can be transformed. It's not not an accident that we have those as parts of our practices spiritually. Otherwise we do feel so bogged down by the shame and not even like, I'm a big proponent. Everyone who's ever taking any training with me will probably say it's my motto that, um, and this too is a Brene Brown gift Um, although I already knew it, but it was just, she's a person that talks about it, um, is the difference between shame and guilt. And just knowing when I'm in that spiral, that's my shame spiral. And that is me over-conflating myself to my actions and behaviors and patterns. Guilt says I have done a thing that is either something I shouldn't have done that I did or something I should have done that I didn't. And I can learn from the things I'm guilty for. Thank God for guilt. But, Guilt tells me how to get back on track. Shame right. says I am those things. And mm.
0: Mm. wow, God that says I'm you, beloved. Yes. And that makes you feel like what you're in your naming is like confession is an act of naming what, what needs to die. What we, yes. are, what we are willing to open our hands to say the wheat can fall from this.
1: Yeah, let that chaff fall because we need that. We need the. We get that. We need the seed into the ground. But if that whole chaff goes, in there, the seed can never grow. It can't. No, like we need. We need to, It's just. I feel like it's like this is probably a little too. Uh, but like, I don't know if you ever. I'm sure you've had a pedicure before. Yes, I have. And you know how they schluff off all that dead skin that you didn't even realize was on your grody feet. Okay, myself. I realized they slough off all that dead skin that I didn't realize was on my grody feet. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's, they, you can see this fresh skin and it mm-hmm. feels different.
0: Yes. And
1: you go and walk on the beach and you can feel the little sand where you wouldn't have been able to do so before. Um, yeah. No, uh,
0: let's do our third reading. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Oh, man, we could keep talking forever. All right. I I, I, I'm
1: sorry. I realize we're going long. My bad.
0: No. That's right. We were a little, I, I love this. I'm, and this is the best. Okay. Um, in our third reading, we're going to just listen for what, <laughs> just a simple question what vision for the work of abolition does this text offer? And we'll, we'll think, we'll, we'll kind of offer what we notice and, and take it from there. Siobhan, would you be willing to read it for the third time?
1: Yes. And this time I'll go with the, um, I'll try the NIV. Okay. Um, okay. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come that the son of man is to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it. And will glorify it again. The crowd was there and they heard it. And they said it was thunder. And others said an angel had spoken to him. And then Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is a time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to
0: die. This is God's word. Mm -hmm. Amen. Where did you see a vision for the work of abolition within the text?
1: I think it is in the meta narrative that Jesus kind of has with himself. Mm -hmm. There's so many different intonations that could have been that conversation of my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father Save me from this hour. Um, but I heard that time, a true humility of being scared mm-hmm. and wondering, should I ask to not do the thing you're asking me to do? And then a coming to itself and saying, no, what's most importantly is that I do the work that I've been sent for. Um, And I think that's, that journeying, even in for Jesus in that one or two um, lines is like the journeying we go on in this abolitionist work, like, Something doesn't feel right about how the world is. Should I conform to it? No, I've got to be who I'm called to be. Yeah. I've got to I've gotta put it in. I've gotta go through that hard thing mm. for the sake of what is really the bigger picture.
0: That's right. Yeah. Oh wow. And I, I even hear in in the question of shall I conform to the thing Mm. shall I say what the this crowd wants me to say Mm. yeah should I conform to their vision of me as a messiah me as a a leader yeah (gasps) heavy is a
1: head that carries the crown right like And it's so, what's kind of weird to me and interesting is like the, the precipice is just this, the, like we were saying, like it's the equivalent of that last drop of water evaporating. It's just this random dude showing up. It wasn't even like this, like coordinated events or the sun rose and, you know, on the third day and the we no, like what came for this depth of revelation was just some random people showing up from some other place.
0: Yes. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's it's right after he went viral from raising Lazarus, right? Yes. And yes. people are like, ooh, look at this healer, as he said. Man, he's pretty powerful. Let's go find him.
1: Let's go track him down let's go see what he's up to it's like oh um, mm-hmm. he's like it's, it's like he's like oh I hit my threshold Golly. if only the paparazzi hadn't shown up if oh <laughs> I, <laughs> I think of like an artist like Sia where you halfway don't know what their face looks like like if I could just I'll keep writing the songs if I if nobody has to see what I look like can we dang it of oh, <laughs> these folks are showing up ah oh, okay it's time
0: oh my goodness <laughs> there's so much there um <laughs>
1: <laughs> like honestly see it could walk past me tomorrow I have no idea what that woman looks like but like I kind of feel like like you like under like like I'll do my work I want to I want to do the things but like somehow internally that was the clock tick it's like yeah oh and now the others the it's not just the Jews, but the Gentiles now are coming. Clearly this ministry is bigger than what I initially thought. Cause you know, there's a Canaanite story and he clearly thought he only came for certain kind of people. And all of a sudden she taught him differently. Um, like this idea that, oh, oh gosh, okay. Yeah. Now now it's time.
0: Mm. Yeah, that the message can can transmit wide enough. Ooh, um, yes. Yeah. That this this is for you, but it's not just for this small group of yous. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me is a message of abolition that it's not just for the dream of abolition is not just for those who are already awake to it. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not just for those who have experienced incarceration or experienced oppressive policing. Mm -hmm. It is for all of us. And the vision is for all of us to receive a life, to experience a life of health and wholeness and um, beyond a, a punitive, a punitive system, a carceral and punitive system to change our whole understanding of what judgment is. And what restoration
1: looks like, right? Like what what does wholeness, that shalom really look like in community? And it means, I mean, at least we're getting a hint in my, in, in what I'm seeing is that a hint that it's not about the stuff of the world. It's about the use of the life in the world. Like it's not about the things that are, all that tactile stuff is not going to be it. Um, but it's it's about using. And then he it's like he tells it and then he does it. And that's those are my favorite kind of sermons is when somebody talks to you about something and they actually are willing to do it. Don't talk to them about truth and love and then give a sermon where you're not being very loving or very honest. Like, mm-hmm. like, and there's been plenty of those in my experience where you're just like, oh, there's a little, there's something just not congruent just not congruent um but jesus really like all right and now i have to now i have to do it like i i i always wonder if it was a bit of self-talk like oh
0: Mm
1: -hmm. okay yep and here we go the seed is gonna have to go on the ground and i'm gonna have to be that seed okay here we go
0: yeah, it's almost a question of was, was, was my vision wide enough? Was my understanding deep enough? Even now, Jesus says my vision and understanding is being transformed and shaped by the unfolding of my life on earth.
1: And it's like as that's what I love about twenty. It's like it's as he's speaking, he's working it out, like. I feel, I mean, even the fact that Jesus says, my soul is troubled. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for acknowledging that a troubled soul is a thing. Even for the divine in flesh. Mm. Jesus had a troubled soul, y'all. That's liberation all by this doggone self.
0: That's right.
1: And what am I gonna do? What shall I say that he knows will affect what he does? That's the other, thing. like, what shall I say? Should I say, get me out of this? If you love me, God. I'm a, I am can tell you a very quick short story. Um, okay, so my stepfather at the time, I had so I got my finger stuck in, a, in a, a door. My uncle was driving me to, to school I got my thumb stuck. He was a police officer. It was a police car. And I don't know if you know anything about police cars, but they lock automatically if there's somebody inside. And so I'm, this is my fifth grade self. I'm knocking on the door saying, I need you to open the door because my thumb is stuck. And he's looking at me like, huh, what's going on? What? So it's like a good few seconds. My thumb is stuck in there. Needless to say, I pull my thumb out. Eventually when he opens the door unlocks the door and I had to go to the ER and, um, my father, uh, my my stepdad, um, although we didn't live together, they, my mom and my stepdad took me to the hospital uh, and uh, I looked at him and I said, and oh, that was the thing. They had to put me in a stretcher because I'm a, I'm a fifth grader and my thumb, it, the whole nail had to be removed and like all the stuff taken out. Sorry. I know it's a TMI, but like oh, no, all the stuff. I'm, taken I'm out.
0: a, I'm a very, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Engaged.
1: I'm so sorry, Alex. Okay. Anyway, no. so I, I'll get to the quick. So I, I looked at my stepdad and I looked at him, my mom couldn't handle it. She had left the room. So just me, him and the doctor. And I said, if you love me, if you've ever loved me, you get me out of this stretcher. <laughs> and I just remember that, like that angst of like, I am strapped down. This person is doing this horrible thing to me. My father figure is sitting over there. If you ever loved me, you would make these people get me out of this. Um, And so I just imagine like that angst in Jesus, like having the temptation to wanna say those words, like, God, if if I'm actually your son, if the story my mama told me is real true, You'll you'll get me you'll get me out of this. No, I can't take that option. But he says it all out loud. He like works it out. Yeah. And I, I don't know. There's something beautiful that even God has to work His thoughts out. I mean, in That's Christ.
0: Right. That's right. Oh, okay. And we've gone me, long. I apologize. No, don't. No, this is wonderful. We started late, and it doesn't matter. It's our podcast. We knew really we Um. uh What I love about that. Is that part of what it means to be alive, embodied, incarnated as Jesus was, is to let your soul be troubled from time to time. Even if we know sometimes that means you wish you had an exit button to get out of a hard conversation, a hard meeting, a hard committee, uh, a, a, a calling in that you wish you would have seen coming a mile away. But to say nope. I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna let what needs to die, die. Because that is what God has called us to, beyond my own comfort and and lack of troubled sense of soul. So true.
1: Are you ready for our last
0: one? Well, yeah, I mean, I. Oh. I think that to me is what the spirit of abolition is. It's yeah. like we to be troubled over and over again when our vision isn't wide enough. That it's like, no, it's, this isn't a reforming movement. This isn't like uh, make something that's already in place better. This is a movement about ending something, <sighs> releasing us from that state and visioning together what comes next?
1: I, I go back to that phrase of free people, free people. Like, and like, there's just the gift of being around folks who are about the abolitionists work in that such a wide way. Um, clearly, we have a problem with mass incarceration in our country in a very tactile way. We clearly have an issue uh, that is horrifically unjust. Um, And it's poor stewardship. I just think about all the brilliance that's just literally locked away out of disgusting policies uh, and short-sighted views and just the evil of racism and the evil of poverty being accepted. Um, And there's also ways in which we are all imprisoned by that same system that has those people in that location physically, because um, and, and yeah, and so when you when you engage with folks who are thinking in a liberative um, mindset, it really is so freeing. Yeah, and there's a joy yeah. there. I was talking to Bertram, who's done the previous podcast, uh, and. Um, and I was just saying that same thing. Like, there's just a joy. I think I mourn for the uh, for the prophets of old. I think about Deborah mm-hmm. and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jonah. How they're all all about themselves, and mm-hmm. have they have other prophets that they could call up? Like, I can call Alex up and say, Alex, I'm I I, I feel like I have a blind spot. I feel like there's something yeah. I don't understand. Um, or I'm just hurting. And I, I wonder if you can listen to me um, and, and to create spaces where we're doing that, even with folks that we don't know by name, but like are, are like you know more light like in general, like there's just spaces we can go where we know there are free people or people in the liberation process um, that are gonna make us all freer. Um, mm. And I'm really grateful for that.
0: Yes. And, and just to name that, sometimes when you get around more and more free people, the, the depth of freedom you haven't yet experienced for yourself, it can feel scary. It can feel like I'm not adequate. I don't know all these terms. I don't know what we're all talking about. And oh the way you're looking at your embodiment is terrifying to me. Yes, but yes. Let, let's like ask what that fear is. Is it a fear of dissolving some of the skin that we build up as armored. Yeah. That
1: callous. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, oh, that's like,
1: oh yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't be that sensitive. And you are engaged with somebody who's amazingly compassionate. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Not only is it possible, but that there's joy. There it's there's real joy in not having to pretend to be a hard butt all the time.
0: That's right yeah
1: but it is scary because you realize at the same time there will be that person who will see it as a weakness and will mm-hmm. exploit it as a weakness as best they can within the wider society. That's right. And so yeah. it's not I don't I don't think it's helpful for us to not I think it's helpful to embrace it all so that when we're going through those troubled soul experiences that come with that revelation, we can, we can put it in the middle of the table that you're not alone. And like, I feel more free and somebody has something sideways to say about it. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep.
0: Okay.
1: Thank you Good again time. for this invitation.
0: This has been amazing, yeah. Oh my gosh. So the last question we answer is around what, what do we wanna keep with us or take with us as a result of this reading and this conversation? What, what do you want to sit in your soul from our chat?
1: That a part of landing in a space that truly glorifies God in my call is being open to the spaces where my soul is troubled, where I wonder what's the right thing to do, and where I walk towards what can oftentimes feel very scary.
0: Mm. Mm. Wow, thank you. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm sitting with, is is um, a call to. An open-handed posture, so, so I'm not clenching the wheat mm. and closing it up. That I'm not clenching against the word that is for me. That I'm, I'm willing, and it, it's an active choice to keep the palms open, um, to receive the word, the the movement, the people that are here for my. And our ongoing liberation and yeah. abolition. Yeah.
1: That's what yeah. I want to practice. That's that 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 posturing is so real. Cause you yeah. I just yeah. I, I hold I I appreciate that that naming because I think that's the you you get your hand popped. Cause the thing like this is vulnerable this is vulnerable you don't know what's going to land you don't know could be a mosquito could be a love letter from the person you adore Mm. and gosh if it's a mosquito I'm going to want to close it up and be and then my hand will be closed when I need to be receiving the love letter that was going to show up two seconds later like that
0: (sighs) yeah oh my dear brother thank you thank you Siobhan it's always a gift to to be in your presence in your compassion in your brilliance and in the ways you understand God acting in the world I'm grateful for you and
1: that is so mutual grateful for oh that is so mutual and I'm grateful thank you just for all the behind the scenes work you're doing too and like y'all are awesome oh, y'all are amazing
0: thank you. y'all are awesome thanks y'all and yes jess thank you for saving the day um team what a conversation we are so grateful for y'all showing up and the ways you keep showing up in your spaces and we will be back next week tuesday at 2 p.m eastern time so thank you and may you be open until then
1: god bless y'all take care thanks alex